Last week, we laid a foundation for building the framework of what it means to be a biblical steward. And, and it's important for us to do this because I, I think if you don't understand the, the, the foundation for biblical stewardship, then what we're talking about today actually doesn't make any sense. And, and if you're here today and you didn't hear last week, go listen to the first service, not the second one, you know, because you, you, you'll, get, you'll get it maybe a little more error-free as we just talked about. But it's very important that you understand that if we don't get the tithe right in our lives, then everything else that we talk about after that, it just doesn't make sense because you can't give offerings to the Lord if you haven't given tithes to the Lord. It starts with your tithe, and and that's really important for us to see that. And if we get that out of order, we're we're messed up. And and I just want to say, you have to get the tithe right in your life over and over and over and over again. You, you see that in, in Proverbs chapter three, verse nine, you know, bring the first fruits of your labor. You see it in Malachi 3.10 as we looked at, you know, that bring the full tithe into the storehouse. And then you see it again as Jesus in Matthew 23, 23 says, you know, you, you tithe, you do well, right? I mean, that's an important thing for us to understand. And I think a lot of times what happens is people say like, well, I tithe, so I have reached the finish line. And we don't realize that's not the destination, that's the starting point. Now, some of you just took a big gulp. It was like, well, wait, wait now. I did pretty good to tithe last week, Pastor. I'm just trying to get with you, you know? But, but it's, it's, that's baseline obedience in our lives. And then there's, there's, there's this idea of living a life full of generosity. And we talk about it here is that God's generosity towards us guides us to be generous in every way with, with our time, our abilities, and our treasure. You know I mean? All of those things are important for us to see that. And so what's next is those things that go beyond the tithe. And I wanna talk to you about a stewardship mindset and, and, and what that looks like. And then we'll talk about generous living and, and we'll, we'll finish it with just a real practical thing today that I don't think we've ever done in here uh, because we've just been getting a lot of questions about this. So, so let's talk about a stewardship mindset. If I could, I wanna read for you a verse we read last week from Psalm chapter 24 and verse one, the earth and everything in it. The world and its inhabitants belong to the Lord. So everything is God's. It all belongs to who? It's God's, right? So we talked about that last week. And, and that's important that we understand that because that's the, the basis of the mindset. And, and it simply goes beyond giving what might be a tithe. Because now it's starting to say that everything that comes into my hands now has an ownership principle that is not mine. It is the Lord's. And if I understand that and I'm living that way, a couple of things begin to change. Remember we talked about the ownership versus stewardship principle. And I want you to see this really just kind of clearly. I I best illustrate it like this. You know, it's how you allow things to come into your hands. When they get there, do you grasp them and hold on to them as if you're the owner? Or do you let them pass through your hands, understanding that with open hands, God sends things into your life. And then he takes things and you're a conduit for those things. And that's really important. So maybe we should start by asking this question. Is that your car or God's car? Your house or God's house? Your wallet, God's wallet. Your credit card, your Apple Pay, your whatever you use to pay. Whose is it? And that that starts to change everything. And so I want to read just a couple of verses from First Timothy that teach us a little bit about this because it's really important because it talks about a stewardship mindset and why we need to have a stewardship mindset is because there's a trap waiting for us. Look at what First Timothy says. Those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires, which plunge people into ruin 
and destruction. But the, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So when the scripture talks to us, even in the New Testament, it's telling us that the goal of our lives is not to be rich. Now, we all know that, but there are a lot of things that I know that I don't always do. Do you find yourself doing that? Do you know what the speed limit is? Do you drive it? How many of you came in on two wheels this morning, slid in the parking lot? You know, you were, you, you were late, you were running in. How many of you know that, you know, you might find a better option than just fast food today? And, and I mean, I eat it too, right? I mean, we, we know that there are some options for us that are better than others, right? We know these things and yet we struggle with them, don't we? We, we struggle with it all the time. So, so I know that, you know that. We know that the goal of our lives as believers is not to get rich. Now, before we go any further, this is not a sermon about like you shouldn't be rich. That's not what it is. That, that's not the point of this at all. It, it's the idea that we shouldn't be pursuing it as if it's our life's goal and ambition. Because when we do, we fall into a trap. Now, how do we do this? We fight against it. One of the ways we fight against that is by giving God the tithe that puts us back in a faithful position to live by faith. But then we begin to, to view our lives as a steward holding all things loosely so that as things come into our lives and they pass through from our lives, we recognize that God is using the things of this earth to accomplish something that's really important. So when we talk about it, I want you to think about stewardship with your head, with your heart, and with your hands. So, so we often talk about salvation that way. To be saved, it engages all three. It's the head, the heart, and some people call it the will, or I, I call it our hands, you know, with this idea. You have, you have to have some knowledge about some things, but your heart has to be moved, and then your will has to follow along behind that. I mean, it's, it's all three things to be saved, isn't it? Because if you just have a lot of knowledge, well, that's not saving, because the scripture says that even the demons know about the Lord, they shudder, they tremble, but it, it, it didn't make them obey. You could have a, an experience this morning without any knowledge, and, and maybe you don't know anything about Jesus this morning, and you just thought, man, the, the music this morning moved me. That's pretty cool, but I've experienced that at the University of Tennessee when they break the tea and they run out playing Rocky Top. I moved. That should have elicited an amen from somebody in here. Come on. But it doesn't mean anything. It, it doesn't change eternity, right? And just trying to do the right things without my heart and my head, and it, it doesn't matter. So it's all three things. And even as stewards, we have to do the same thing. I need to know what to do. I need my heart to bend to that. And then I need to make my will conform to that, right? So I want you to see what it means to live generously. Second Corinthians chapter nine, and we're gonna read verses six, seven, and eight. Paul is talking to a church and he's trying to get them to see that they need to be faithful in their stewardship because there are some believers that are really having a hard time. They're under duress. And he's saying, when I come to you, I want you to have this offering for the other believers ready because we're gonna help them out. And so here's what he says. The point of everything I've talked about, he says, is the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, 
not reluctantly or out of compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. When we talk about generous living, I want you to see three principles from the generosity perspective. I want you to understand it this morning from this passage of scripture. And then we're going to get into this kind of takeaway moment of how how do we do this? But there's three things that I want you to see. The first is, is that if we talk about generous living, we can't run past the idea of the principle of the harvest. There's sowing and reaping that takes place. Now, as soon as I say that, you immediately go, now wait just a second. Last year, last week, pastor, you said that we didn't need to give so that we would get. That's hundred percent right. And you have to read the whole passage of scripture in context to understand fully what he's saying. There's a a certain principle though that the scripture says over and over again, and you'll see it in Proverbs, you'll see it here, that those who spare so, uh, I'm, I'm getting out of order, who sow sparingly, reap sparingly, and those who sow liberally will reap liberally. Those who invest in God's kingdom reap an incredible return for their investment. Now, when we talk to our investment strategy people and we're talking about retirement, we're always looking for return on investment, right? What's, what's the return on investment? Something that's going to pay dividends for us down the road. Very important for us as we talk about retirement, right? But it's also important for us as we talk about the kingdom of God. The scripture, when we talk about this, is saying that there's a return on investment that is high. It says when we sow, we reap and we do it generously. And it says we, we reap according to how we sow. Now this is important. When I was growing up, now there was this thing that was kind of making the rounds on television with some of the television evangelists. You, you would hear them say things like, I tell you what, if you will give me $5, God's going to give you 500. Well, maybe, but that doesn't I think capture the spirit of what we're talking about here. Because if I need to get $500, I probably shouldn't just give it away. I should probably go invest it, right? And, or maybe earn, I mean, it's that kind of thing. And so I, I don't want you to fall for those kind of things. We're not giving so that we can get. There's an eternal reward that's here that is so often overlooked. This isn't a gimmick. We invest in the kingdom so that we receive the good reward of being a good steward, and we send that on to heaven. There's nobody who gives up anything for the kingdom, Jesus says, who doesn't receive that much more in heaven. I mean, you think about it, but we see with this earthly perspective, right? And an ungenerous person doesn't understand the law of sowing and reaping. And so as owners, they try to hold on to everything, thinking they'll never have enough. And here's what the generosity principle is going to teach us. When you sow into the kingdom, you'll have what you need. Remember we talked about this last week? When we tithe, we'll have what we need and a little bit left over. That's what the scripture says. And I I wanna get to that in just a minute, but don't forget that. We're getting what we get, not only on earth, but also in heaven. So there's a principle of sowing and reaping. But secondly, it says, this is really a matter of our hearts. Look at what it says. Each person should do as he's decided in his own heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, because God loves a cheerful giver. When I ask you this morning, if we were just to kind of do a heart checkup this morning, as we've been talking about giving, has your heart closed or has it opened? 
Well, what has it done? Do you recoil against it or does it excite you? You see, that's why I said last week that I'm not a fundraiser. Because if I have to fundraise, then, then I'm compelling you to do things all the time. I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to get you to see something and, and trying to be slick about it. And there's nothing slick about this. It's just what the scripture says. God wants you to do this out of the freedom of your heart. And so this is an important thing for us to see. The stewardship response of the generous person is to become more generous. And the stewardship response of an owner is to recoil against that. They don't like that. The ownership response makes us recoil against it. And so I think that's important for us to see. And the scripture says, God loves a cheerful giver. You know you've never pleased God when you've come in with an offering that you've given grudgingly. It just hasn't worked. God doesn't want you to give kind of like in spite of him. Well, here you go. I didn't really want to do this, but... uh. No, God says, I love a cheerful giver. Why is it that God loves a cheerful giver? Because that's tapping into the character of God himself. What did God withhold from you? Nothing. God even sent his own son. The Bible says that while we were still sinners running away from God, God sent Christ Jesus to die for us. God hasn't withheld anything from us. He doesn't withhold any good thing that we need. The scripture says it over and over again. So God gives liberally to us, And so when we tap into that and we begin to see the world through that kind of lens, what starts to happen is we're tapping in to the love of God in a new dimension. Uh, Listen, it's a great thing. God loves a cheerful giver. If you want to experience the love of God today in a new dimension, just start tapping into the generosity of God and reflect on how he's been generous towards you and and just try try to give that to other people. It's a funny thing, isn't it? Because when we talk about these things, one of the things that you very seldom meet is an unhappy, generous person. Have you ever thought about that? You don't meet many curmudgeons who are generous. Why would that be? Well, one of the big things is because we know from all of our clinical studies that that one of the things that is most depressing in his life is to constantly be thinking about yourself right? When, when, when we can't get out of our own heads, right? It's very hard, isn't it? I mean, maybe you've experienced like I have. Like it, it, is, it can overwhelm us when we can't get out of our own heads. Generous people are constantly thinking about other people. And as, as they reflect the character of God, would it be any wonder that as they bathe in the love and the warmth of God, that they also extend that to other people and it just begins to envelop them? So you, you don't meet many people who are generous who are unhappy because they're cheerful. God loves a cheerful giver. Can I say this to you? If you don't hear anything else out of the last two weeks, hear me say this. God doesn't want your wallet. He wants your heart. And for most of us, there's a very fine line of distinction very fine line. And we blur it. I do. You do. We go back and forth. Some days we're living where it's like, I'm a generous person, Lord, and and you can have it all. I don't care about any of these things. They're, They're yours. And some days the most unimportant things in our lives become the most important, don't they? 
Something with no value becomes something that, that we really can't let go of and we have to hold on to because we want to own that thing and we don't want God meddling in our lives over that thing. God wants our hearts. Well, the principle of sowing and reaping says that God will give it to us generously. The principle of the heart says that, that God wants my heart. The, the principle of needs versus wants says that I need to know the difference. Look at verse eight with me again. God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. Now, here's something phenomenal. Paul says to this group of people, God's grace is going to overflow to you and it's going to be awesome. And you're going to have everything you need. Everything? Everything. Well, what about my wants? Well, it didn't really say that, did it? Do you struggle to know the difference between needs and wants? I do. I have a lot of wants that often blur their way into needs, right? I don't really need it, but I really want it. And the longer I really want it, the more I believe that I really need it. And then I start to believe that when I get it, it's going to make me happy. And it's gonna provide this lasting happiness when the scriptures just said that how to be cheerful, and God loves cheerful givers, is if I wanna have joy in my life, it's not to hold on to all these things and it's not to buy the next greatest thing because, you know, as soon as you buy your new TV, they come out with a better one. You bought the latest cell phone last month, there's a better one, yours is garbage. Maybe you didn't know that, but you do now. Go get a new one, right? Your car, it's trash. Your house, it's awful. Because somebody always has something different or better or what, But there's a, there's a big difference, isn't there? And I want you to just, just key in with this verse. God is able to make all the money flow to you. Mm-mm. Grace. God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, having everything you need, you can excel at every good work. So the principle of sowing and reaping and the cheerful giver leads to the principle of needs versus want. And when I understand what my needs are, then what it says is God's grace overflows so that I'm not lacking anything that I need so that I can accomplish every good work in the kingdom that I need to accomplish. One of the things that happens here as your pastor, as I mentioned last week, I get to live in the stewardship principle all the time because we manage a lot of funds that come in here that aren't ours. We don't, we don't get to dictate these things in the way that we would if we were owners of this corporation or church or building or whatever. But one of the things that we constantly remind ourselves of, we set a budget every year. A budget means nothing except it's a plan. And people always ask, well, what do we do if we don't get that amount of money? We don't spend it. What do you do at home, right? When you don't get it, you pivot, you change, you, you do what you need to do. And oftentimes we have to remind ourselves that God gives us everything we need. And if there's something we thought we really needed and God didn't provide the money for it, guess what? We didn't need it. Now I gotta tell you, that's one thing for me to do at work. It's another thing for me to walk into my house and do the same thing. 
God, I really thought we needed to do this this year. We needed to repair this thing. We needed to work on this. We needed to take this trip. And the money hasn't been what we thought it was. It wasn't going to come the way we thought it would. Why haven't you done what we needed? And he goes, you didn't need it. Is that hard for you? It's hard for me. But God says when we do this, we get everything that we need. And I think sometimes you expect me to say right here, here it comes, this is the no fun police again. God doesn't want you to have any fun. That's not true. I hope that you get to enjoy the fruit of your labor and that there's some fun things that come out of that and, and that you get to experience some things and do all that. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's not the goal, is it? You remember we talked about a, a few weeks ago what happens when we take things that are not primary and we make them primary and they should be secondary. Vacations and, and going to the movies and all that stuff. I mean, that's fun, but that is not primary. But when we live our lives as if that is the primary thing, it's always lacking. It just leaves you wanting more. And every year when we talk about this, I say this line to you, it's from a, a song from many years ago, not from a Christian artist, but he nailed it on the head. He said, you can get what's second best, but it's hard to get enough because it doesn't satisfy you. It won't work. So when we look at this and we understand this, then, then what begins to happen is the generous lifestyle allows us to meet needs as they come. A couple of years ago, we were in our global focus season and one of the things that happened was one of our partners had some new people working for them and they had just arrived from the continent of Africa and they had left the country that was war-torn, had left everything that they had. They each came, it was four kids and a mom and a dad and they came with two suitcases apiece. Well, I didn't know they were coming to our global focus night of giving. If you were here for our global focus night of giving, that's a really big deal. And our partners, thinking it would be great to be able to bless them, just kind of told me on that Sunday afternoon, hey, just give everything that you had for us to them. Well, it was like, well, a TV for your ministry probably isn't gonna help them or you know, some tools and stuff that they wanted. And so I thought, well, Lord, what are we gonna do? And so that night I thought, well, we'll at least get the kids something. And so I asked my wife and our kids, I said, can y'all go this afternoon and, and pick up some toys for these kids? Yes. But one of the coolest things that happened that night is that I was in here getting prepared for the evening and a guy came through the back door and he said, hey, pastor, uh, I, I didn't get a chance to get any gifts for the, for the missionaries this year. And I was really bummed about that. And I don't know if you could use this or not, but God has, has given me an extra $1,000 and I'd like for you to give it to someone who you see fit. I said, well, I already know who it's going to. Hang around and watch. And so that night, as we sat up here on the stage with those four little kids, they were opening up everything and just excited and all that. I just brought that $1,000 in cash over and I gave it to the mother. And I said, you know, we didn't know what you would need and it was a little bit of a surprise, you know, because you guys are new. And, but somebody stopped me just before the service and wanted you to have this. And that's when she broke down and said, you wouldn't have known this, but we left with only two suitcases apiece. This is an answer to our prayers. 
You see, that's what a generous lifestyle does. A generous lifestyle may not know the outcome of why God's leading them to do something. Have you ever had God do something like he does to me? It's not often, but once in a while, I'll have a little extra money come into my life and God will clearly say, not yours, don't touch it. Well, what should I do with it? I'll let you know. Oftentimes, I'll put that in an envelope and just leave it upstairs in my office because I'll know that eventually, God will say, that's who it's for. Now, I know if I spend that money, I gotta come up with it, you know what I mean? When that, when that need comes around. I've learned that lesson. When God says, this isn't yours, you better listen because he's not kidding around. But a generous person looks to do that. And so I want you to think about this with me. Well, what do we take away from this? Well, a couple of things. One is that, you just look to do the next right thing and you do it. How? Well, it's one of those things for us that we have to be a good steward of all of our resources because the more that we steward the resources that God gives us, the more that's available for us to release into ministry and to bless other people, whether it's taking care of the poor or doing a good deed for someone who's having a hard time at work or, or buying school uniforms for somebody we heard who's down on their luck or, or buying someone's meal and just blessing them that way whatever it is, or, or taking care of a missionary, the more that we steward those things, the better we get. Now, the scripture talks about this. It, it tells us that if we're in debt all the time, the borrower is a slave to the lender. We can't do it. And a lot of us are so leveraged in our lives, there is no extra because every dollar is already accounted for. That's not God's ways. It's not how we're supposed to do it. So how do we recommend that you do that? I want you to look at something we're gonna put on the screen and, and we're gonna try this. We've never done this before, but this is something called a zero-based budget. We teach it here and, and you may have heard it and it's, it's nothing that uh, is new to you from us. I mean, we didn't come up with this. If you Google this, you can find all kinds of forms. This is like a, a, a real simple form, uh, but years ago, walking through some of these things with Pastor Jack. I was just talking about our family and, and where we were. And, and he just said, I want you to read this book. And I began to read it. And, and then we began to do this. And, and every month, our family goes through a zero-based budgeting process. And what that means is, you, you put at the top first, how much you're gonna make. So we're talking about, we got a newlywed couple here in, in Nashville and their, their take-home pay, they got $5,000 is what they've got, Right? Now, we shouldn't have said take-home pay. That was a miss, right? Because what were you supposed to do? Tithe before taxes. God bless y'all. So what you see is, you go over here to this left corner and you see that their tithe is $500. So before the month ever starts, guess what they've already decided? They're doing the right thing, right? They're gonna tithe. But then they start doing this. They allocate every dollar that they know they're going to receive and they're placing it. And at the end of this sheet, Every dollar should be accounted for and that's the spending plan for the month. This keeps you from what we talked about last week, the guy who said my money talks and all it says is bye-bye, right? This is it, all right? So I want you to see the next one. You see that they have the emergency fund and their retirement comes together and that's for saving. And so they're, they're doing that. So they, they've done their tithe first and they're setting some aside and, and, and getting ready for life's unexpected things. Why wouldn't you have an emergency fund? Do you think you're gonna have something unexpected sometime soon? Yes, you will. There's always something unexpected in our lives, isn't it? But, but then next you see that they, they have their housing, mortgage and insurance, and then there's some repairs. They're just putting that money back, knowing that, guess what? If I own a house, something's gonna break. I'm gonna need to do this. 
So I'm just putting some money back. Then it goes down into their utilities. And, and they're, they're running maybe a rolling average of what they think their utilities are. But they've got their electric and gas and water and their phone, internet and cable. And, and that kind of adds up there. And, and then you see that they're already planning for their food and their groceries. And if you've shopped for groceries lately, God bless you, right? It's been exciting, hasn't it? I had the, the great privilege of going to the store for my wife the other day. And I walked out with two sacks and it was $50. And I thought, you know what? Something is really wrong here because none of this is filet. You know, like, like we, we're, we're getting the wrong foods here. But, but you see that they have their grocery money budgeted. They, they have their, their eating out money budgeted. And then they have some clothing money. And you say, well, I don't need clothes this month, but you're going to. They're just putting it away little by little. Then they have their, their transportation section and their, their car payment, their, their gas and oil, repairs for tires, auto insurance, and they're directing their dollars to this and then their health insurance and their entertainment. Now, now, what does that mean? Well, there's a couple of things that I would say to you, like, you know, there's some very fixed things in your life. You know, so some fixed things ought to be my tithe is fixed. My retirement should be fixed. You don't want to be messing with that. Don't be robbing yourself today to, to hurt yourself later. You know, like make it fixed. You should be saving for your emergency fund. When you get your emergency fund saved up, you can start carving into that for different things. But notice their entertainment budget. That's something that they could cut into this month and be generous towards someone. You see, when you direct your dollars and you know where they're going, all of a sudden you have the ability to be able to be more generous. I've been doing this with my wife now every month since the year 2014. We have binders of these monthly budgets. There's free ones at DaveRamsey.com. There's free ones if you just Google zero-based budgeting. But I want to just say this to you. If you're struggling this morning financially and you're like, I, I can't even tithe. I'm so leveraged. I'm upside down. Did you know that we offer free financial counseling here? Pastor Jack is a certified financial coach. And we want to walk with you in these things. We don't want you to be messed up in this all the time because I'm telling you, there's no joy in living under the weight of all that stuff. The joy comes when you're generous and can give. Another thing that I just would remind us this morning as we close our time is that, you know, when we talk about these things, it requires you engage your brain. You can't just passively hope to become more generous or hope to become ahead of your finances. You have to work at it. Now, some of you in here might have the spiritual gift of giving and generosity. And this sermon for you has just been one big amen. But the rest of us, if that's not where our spiritual gift lies, it requires a little bit of work to get there, doesn't it? It's a growing thing. It's a discipleship thing for us to get there. And that's okay too. But the point is, is that God's work and his kingdom, it starts with understanding that we're just stewards of all of this. So my question to you this morning, are you a steward or are you an owner? Would you bow your heads? I wanna pray with you. And I wanna lead you in a prayer. I, I want you to consider right now, what's your relationship to money? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Is it in a piece of property you own? Is it your retirement account, your car, your vacations? 
Your wallet? Or is it truly the Lord? Heavenly Father, you're the giver of all good things. And Lord, I know that our heart's desire this morning is to want to be cheerful givers who just let things flow through our hands for your purposes. God, help me to do it. Help us to do it. Lord, as we sow into the kingdom, may we reap an abundant harvest. God, may we see your blessings, not just as financial, but as we carry out the work and see lives changed and prayers answered and ministries started and people impacted for the kingdom. May we just be blessed. Father, I pray that as we leave here today, we'll have your heart. Father, for those of us who are just chasing after money, would you help us to see today that we need to chase after you? God, forgive us when we raise up money to be our idol. Lord, we trust you. And we want to trust you more. Thank you for giving us every good and perfect gift. Thank you for giving us everything we need. Father, for the one who's just under the weight of debt this morning and maybe feels like they're in poor financial stewardship position, Father, I pray today they'd have the courage to make a call to the office this week and get some help. Father, for those of us who've turned our brains off, engage us again, Lord, with our hearts, telling our hands and our head to follow after. We ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.